0: Hi Kate. Anisa, hi. So for this episode, we are calling Anisa from New Zealand where she is still stuck. I think it's like five in the morning there. I hear that it's cold in New York. It's very warm in here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now I'm I'm not gonna feel sorry for you to be stuck. There. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck in like you're stuck in eternal summer and it's literally like five degrees in New York. So
1: That's like the only thing that's
0: making me feel better about being stuck here. And about being up at five in the morning or four in the morning to, to to talk to me. Indeed. So, <laughs> let's to productivity related things. How do you make your to do list, Kate? Well, okay. So, my to do list is actually the most basic thing ever. I usually just write th- the things that I need to get done that day on like, one of those larger size Post it notes. But then I also end up using my Google Calendar as a to do list, and I have four different color-coded calendars oh my god do I love color coding things I color code <laughs> spreadsheets and yeah and some of them are shared like the ones that I keep with my husband of the things that like we need to do for our family appointments and stuff um, and then I have one that's just my personal stuff like Kate's own stuff I need to do then there's one that's like work stuff that's both to do's and meetings. So it's kind of scattered, but it pretty much works for me. I mean, it got me where I am, right? Honestly, I keep a lot of my to-dos in my head, though. What about you? Yeah, same. I mean,
1: I do a simple and not as pretty version of the bullet journal, which we're going to talk about in detail. But essentially, like on a day-to-day basis, I give myself a maximum of six things a day. So three or four of those things are tasks or things like you know, researching guests for this podcast, editing a story, and then two or three of those things are small things I can knock out easily. So, like, maybe it's RSVP to this event or, you know, email X to confirm Y or errands like running to the post office. Um, and then I label kind of those stars with a square and the small errands and tasks with a star and I write them in descending order of importance. But then I usually cross it off if I've completed the task. And if I haven't, I either market a spending pending. If it's in progress, awaiting response, if I'm waiting for someone to do their part, or move to a later date if I realize that it's not so urgent and important or my deadline has moved. And I have visual symbols for that, but I won't describe that because that gets a little bit too complicated to do when we're doing over audio.
0: That's so... <laughs> it's so funny because you're like, yeah, I'm not that, like, I don't have that big of a version. And then you're like, I have stars and boxes and a waiting response and pending. And I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds very complex and very. Um, no. Yeah. If, you, if, you
1: see, if you see my, what well, my bullet journal compared to those pretty bullet journals, mine looks really messy.
0: <laughs> mine, I mean, my handwriting is atrocious. And yeah, a lot of mine are like scribbles. And then I do a lot of like arrows to like, and now this. This thing, it's like some like primitive flow chart. But is there a reason why you cap it to just six? It's called the Ivy Lee method. Uh, The story goes that Charles M. Schwab,
1: who was one of the richest men in 1918, hired Ivy Lee to ask him how he can get more done and how his employees can get more done. Lee told him the next day, just get them to write down the six most important things that they can accomplish the next day. And then rank them in order of importance. The idea is that they should focus on the most important thing first, and not move on to the next task until they finish that thing. And apparently, it was so successful that he gave him a big check. And from then on, it became known as the Ivy Lee method.
0: I wish I could get a big check for just saying, like, "Hey, write down six important things." <laughs> I was just like, "What?" Well,
1: that is so simple. And but I don't know. Maybe back then it wasn't to people. Yeah,
0: and and your approach it's it's slightly different than uh the one you were talking about because you do move on to another task sometimes when you haven't when you haven't finished one, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because as we have learned from our episode on Chronotype with Dan Pink, there are certain times of the day when our brands are just not wired to work efficiently on certain kind of tasks. And you know, sometimes in the afternoon Provided that what I'm doing isn't due that day or the next morning, I might not have finished the story that I'm editing or writing. And if it's like 2 or 3 p.m., I really should not be, you know, I should really be doing something else that doesn't require such detail orientation because I might be falling asleep.
0: Yeah, and I totally get that. And sometimes it's it's better to to leave something and move on to something that you know you can accomplish so you're not just like staring blankly at the computer screen and like not getting anything done at all. It's it's just funny because like to-do lists sound like such a simple thing like how can we have a whole episode about to-do lists and talk about to-do lists but there actually there's actually a lot to it and a lot to like making one that actually works and helps you work better. Welcome to Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we try to figure out how to work smarter instead of harder and dissect exactly how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. And I'm Fast Company assistant editor,
1: Anissa Pervisari-Horton. So today we're talking about what I personally consider to be the bread and butter of productivity gripes, the to-do
0: list. Yes, people have such strong opinions on how good their system is and why it's so much better than what everybody else does and I think it's also important to note that not everybody actually uses a to-do list. Like it seems super duper basic, but not everybody does it. Like our, one of our contributors, Judith Humphrey, actually wrote an article last year about why she doesn't use a to-do list at all. She sees it as an impediment to creativity and she feels like looking at her to-do list kind of dampens her creativity first thing in the morning when she sees a list of like here's all of the things you have to do and like her day's like all written out for her yeah I mean to an extent
1: I can see that when I wake up and when my to-do list is filled with things that I don't want to do I'm not jumping up and down in joy but I Mm -hmm. think for me I can't imagine not operating with some sort of list because the times that I don't operate from it when I'm just like okay you know you have one of those days I feel like when you kind of know what's important and you just operate reactively I tend to be much more inclined to be on five you know putting off fires where I just respond to what seems to be the most urgent thing. And I don't actually get a lot done, even though I feel really busy. It's like, okay, I've gotten like one thing done, but I'm so stressed and I don't know what I've done all day.
0: Yeah. And I think that you and I, you know, and that's probably, you know, part of the reason why we love You know, talking about these issues on the on the podcast is we're the type of people who thrive on structure and systems to keep us in check. And it does kind of like similarly me. It gives me like anxiety to think like, oh, I'm just gonna go in and do whatever. Like, no, I have stuff I need to get done, and I need to have it written down. And as I mentioned, color coded, like you know, (laughs) and cross it off. (laughs) Yes, I need. I'm very much also the person that needs the like the gold star, which sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're an adult, you have to give to yourself. Yes. Um, No one's giving out stickers anymore. I mean, come on. But everybody's obviously different. So while you and I might swear by our particular systems, other people might not need them at all. Like anything else, you can't be chained to this system and only work within in those requirements or whatever. You, Especially as a a writer or another kind of creative, when you're like in that zone and in that flow, you don't want to be like, oh, well, now it's time to do this. And I'm just going to start checking my email because it's email checking time, you know. Right. I
1: mean, no one wants to stop the flow to check emails, right? Like, that just seems the worst thing you can do for my productivity. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's a good point to show why to-do list should be seen as a guide and an anchor rather than a set of strict instructions. And the other thing to note, too, is that deadlines and priorities change. Things happen. The world isn't static. And you can't always predict everything that's going to come up. And I mean, in our field especially, we can't just ignore breaking news when they happen. But we also need to balance that with thinking about how, you know, planning ahead when it comes to like forward thinking long term work.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's a good example. That's, you know, applicable, not even not only just in journalism, but other places, you know, like, for example, if I have, I have a bunch of stories I need to edit and get out the next day. But then, like, there's a government shutdown or like the a Supreme Court to say like some giant thing. I'm not going to be like, well, that's not on my to do list. So I'm just going <laughs> to do these things. You know, it's like, no, we have to address that. But also I can't get totally consumed in that because you do still have like you said, like other things don't just disappear. So you do have to juggle a way to do the things that you have to get done and also be flexible enough to respond to to the, whether it's a creative spark or a news event or a you know an urgent a mistake that has to be fixed or something. And speaking of to-do list mistakes, we've written about a lot of the various factors that can derail the success of whatever kind of to-do list system you have.
1: We have written a lot about to-do list mistakes. And another common one is that a lot of people tend to put way too many things in being overly optimistic about what they can accomplish in a day. Now, I'm definitely guilty about this. I know I mentioned that I had a strict rule of capping it at six things a day, but on occasions when I feel like I have a lot to do, I have just been like, you know, I'm just going to be really productive today and I'm going to try and do 12 things today. And I regret it every time.
0: Yeah. It's it's like you're setting yourself up to feel bad. I think that another mistake that a lot of people often make is not prioritizing and that and that can be a problem if, if, you know, like me, you just have, like, a post-it note with, like, things written down on it because then everything's kind of given the same weight. So you'll put, like, come up with a, a lofty new idea, like, come up with this big game-changing idea next to, like, pick up milk. Like, those are not the same sorts of tasks. It's a recipe for failure because, you know, one of them is going to take months and years to complete and one of them's like, a super easy one you can, you know, get done in 10 minutes. And... You know, you're not you're not giving them the weight that they deserve.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are some people who can probably just come up with a lofty idea and pl- I don't know a company turnaround plan or write a novel in a day. But I don't expect that that's the majority.
0: No, no, I don't. I don't think that most people can write a novel in a day. In a no, it's probably not very a terrible good. one. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I think there's a, a a kind of counterintuitive and probably controversial mistake that a lot of people make, and, and I actually do this too, is writing your to-do list in the morning. Some productivity experts suggest that if you do it in the morning, you, it's too late.
1: Yeah, I have mixed feelings about that. I do think that productivity-wise, it is important to have your to-do list ready before you start work. But sometimes there are days when I'm really tired at the end of the day, and I'm not in the headspace to prioritize what I'm going to do the next day. So in that case, I usually try and do it first thing in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee, but before I get to my desk and start working. So at least when I get to work, I don't waste half an hour trying to prioritize while I feel the interruptions that's obviously going to happen when I get to my desk.
0: I think it's a good time to go into our You Might Want to Write This Down segment, where we give you tips on how to maximize your productivity and get the most out of your to-do list. So press pause and get your pen ready because you might want to write this down.
1: You might indeed. So number one, divide your long list into sections. Separate out meetings, events, and calls from the things you hope to accomplish during those times. Then create a separate section of to-dos that don't fit in either of those categories and work through those when you're not attending meetings, are at an event, or in a conference call.
0: Number two, batch similar tasks together. Answering emails requires different thinking muscle than brainstorming new revenue streams, so... Make it easier on your brain by grouping together tasks that require the same sort of muscle. So don't try brainstorming new revenue streams after spending an hour of answering or filing emails. Task switching takes time.
1: Number three, include an anti-to-do list. Sometimes the key to getting things done is to remind yourself what's not important. Does that thing that popped out at lunch really need your attention today? Or would you be better off spending your afternoon tackling that long-term project? But you all have 24 hours in a day, and the reality is you just can't do everything.
0: And I think that is a good place for us to introduce our guests for today. I had the opportunity to talk to Ryder Carroll, the digital product designer and inventor of The Bullet Journal. He is also the author of The Bullet Journal, Track the Past, Order the Present, and Design the Future. Hi, Ryder. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So we were just talking um, earlier about how it's a very, a bullet journal is it's a very visual medium, so we're going to try to refrain from in detail describing what a bullet journal looks like, but you designed a bullet journal from your own kind of trial and error experience. For our listeners who aren't familiar with your backstory and aren't familiar with what a bullet journal even is, could you walk us through how you came to that method?
2: Sure. When I was young, I was diagnosed with ADD. And back then, there weren't a lot of tools available to help me with that, so I had to design my own tools. Over the years, I refined those tools one piece at a time. I tested many different things to figure out what would work the way that my mind worked. And about 20 years later, I put these things together in a toolkit that I like to refer to as the bullet journal method. And all it requires is pen and a notebook because those are the only tools available when I was a kid. And over the years, I realized that there was something to it that wasn't available to me through digital means.
0: And does it help you focus more because, you know, I think something that a lot of people find intimidating about Bullet Journal, and and I do too, honestly, is it's so beautiful and it looks so complex and it looks kind of hard to do. Um, Is that part of what... Uh, helped you focus on it is that it it had kind of so much so much beauty in it and what would you say to people who are kind of intimidated when they see it because I know it is kind of like it's very popular on Pinterest and Instagram and it can kind of be intimidating to to those of us who are not as design minded
2: certainly it can be beautiful if that's what serves you and that's really at the heart of what the bullet journal is it acts as a platform for self-learning if you see the original tutorial video it's black and white it's not necessarily pretty and it's my own chicken scratch it's not about how it looks it's about how it makes you feel and for some people it feels better to be artistic and for some people it feels better to be much more minimal and productivity focused so it really depends on what it is that you need it to be and that's really the beginning of what bullet journaling is
0: what so since it can be you know these gorgeous Instagram you know, created creations, or it can be, as you just said, like very minimal. What are the key components that it has to have, though?
2: Well, um, I think the first thing is understanding what you need it for. And then I provide a foundation, essentially, where I provide these different modules, essentially, or as we call them, collections that serve very specific purposes. One, for example, helps you organize your day. Another one helps you organize your month. Another one helps you organize your future. And then there's one that helps you organize your notebook in general. <laughs> and that lays the foundation, essentially. You can think of the bullet journal method sort of as a Lego set. But once you become familiar with the the core collections, essentially, then you're encouraged to design your own, which helps you start to curate and reduce your task lists. It's not about creating never ending lists. It's about creating lists that help you spend more time working on fewer things that actually matter.
0: So that that bigger picture introspection kind of gets to how this is different than um, what a lot of people think of as a to-do list, which is literally just, you know, a post-it note or a piece of paper, which is like to-do and a list of things and you cross them off. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that not effective? That's like the classic to-do list.
2: I think it's, it can be very effective, but I also think it can get out of control. Everything all of a sudden became a priority. My attention was spread so thin that everything immediately was a fire drill. So you can't prioritize if everything's a priority. So for me, the list, keeping a list is the first step. What you do with that list afterwards is where things become really interesting. And that's what the bullet journal focuses on through various techniques that I teach in the method. So through a series of questions that I like to ask, it's does this task, is this something I want to let into my life? When you start thinking about your task list that way, Things change pretty dramatically because a lot of times we realize we're working on a lot of things that add no value to our life or don't bring us any closer to the things that we want. It's not necessarily about what makes us happy. It's about what we believe to be meaningful.
0: And then it sounds like, too, the, the one of the flaws in having just a whole long list of things that you need to do, and you kind of touched on this, is that it doesn't prioritize any of them or like show their importance, you know, like something like think of revenue streams is right along with like mail this letter, and is your, your method, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, helps kind of put those into those different uh, categories or buckets and helps give meaning and, and priority to, to different tasks.
2: Of core focus, the practice is to be curating our lists at all time and it's about weeding out distractions from our list. And one of the things that we do is we rewrite our lists or better said we only rewrite the things that matter. And mm-hmm. if you get into a habit of doing that, your lists grow shorter. And it's not about having an exi- existential meltdown every time you mm-hmm. look at your task list. If something isn't even worth the moment to rewrite it, then chances are it's not really adding a lot of value to your life. And once you get into the swing of this, all of a sudden, you realize that you're taking time back again, and your lists are growing shorter, but significantly more targeted and focused.
0: That's a great, yeah, that's a great point because you do see with a regular to-do list that, like, oh, this thing is just sits there and sits there and sits there, but if you actually looked at it and had to rewrite it, it's like, oh, I'm not even going to... I love that. I'm not even going to, like, take... It's not worth the time to rewrite this on another list. It's not worth the time to do. I think one thing that appeals to a lot of people about bullet journals is how analog they are. That said, people are really dependent on their devices and dependent on their, like, digital calendars. I mean, I organize everything in this weird kind of color-coded Google Calendar way. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to integrate the bullet journal method with digital calendars and organizers?
2: Certainly. And I, too, have a color-coded Google Calendar. (laughs) So the way that I integrate it is that I use my bullet journal as a capturing device. So throughout the day, anything just goes into the bullet journal. And then the content that needs to live elsewhere then gets moved into that. So I don't ever have to think about where did I write it down. And more importantly, I don't have to think about where am I going to write something down. Do I do it in this app or on this post or this notebook or somewhere else? And then when I'm looking over my list again, I'm like, oh, here's some dates. Now I can schedule it. And that's how I've found being able to marry the digital analog very well.
0: What. What do you say when you, I'm sure you meet resistance just when you were describing that. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, but that sounds like it's going to take a lot of time. And do, I'm ass, I'm assuming that you hear that a lot of like, I don't have the time. That sounds like so much time to write all of these things down and then reflect. And, you know, I get, we always hear a lot of pushback and like, I don't have time to, to reflect on my life. That sounds like such a, you know, giant task.
2: Certainly. And I think it can be. And I think we can use self-searching as a as a preemptive measure, essentially, if we make it a very small part of our every day, I think that becomes really important because if you're asking yourself what do you want more of, what do you want less of on a daily basis, it doesn't become this huge thing. It just mm-hmm. becomes something you can do in five minutes. And I find that the simple act of opening a notebook and spending some time just writing out your thoughts on a very technical level just helps you go offline. Yeah. And that can be something that can have an impact that most people are surprised by.
0: We had a an episode in the past where we talked to Laura Vanderkam and she's big on tracking your time. And I've, tr- I've tracked my time before and, and the funny thing you notice is there's like a half hour increment that just is like, internet stuff. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know, checking my email, looking at Twitter, like doing this random internet stuff. And I think a lot of us, to your point, are really entrenched in like, okay, I sit down at my desk in the morning and then I have to check my email and then I check Slack and then I check this and it's just like, eats up all this time doing what exactly? But mm-hmm. sitting, that's a really great point of sitting down and opening something tangible that isn't connected to the internet that you can't like tab over to something else in Everybody has five minutes, you know. It's five minutes between meetings, between, you know, anything else that we usually spend on stuff like checking email.
2: Absolutely, and it's also trying to figure out how can you move things together as well as you find a lot more opportunities to take back time.
0: You know, we've touched on this a lot. Like, you have you hear a lot of excuses and backlash and, like, why this won't work for me. I'm a special case. Like, I can't do this. Um, we had a writer that tried out the bullet journal method, and she she liked aspects of it, but she she felt overall that it kind of dampened her mood and, like, stifled her creativity. She couldn't be as kind of, like, free as she wanted to be. What do you say to people who swear by not having a to-do list, that a to-do list, you know, tamp- like, hampers their creativity?
2: It's a hard question to answer because a core tenet of the bullet journal is do what works for you, (laughs) not do anything you want, but figure out what is actually impactful and adds value to your life. And if people are happy with how things are going, then I'm not going to get in the way of that. Of course not. I feel that my job is to help people who are interested learn about this in the most effective way possible but I do find that a lot of times people fail at these endeavors because they compare themselves to others. Mm. Specifically with the bullet journal, it's about figuring out what you need. And I think that once we understand that our experience will be different, then all of a sudden we open ourselves up to actually making progress.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just a product kind of of the social media time that we live in is one way or another you're always going to compare yourself to other people and mm-hmm. other people only show. Nobody's showing their like their messy to do list, right? Right. No one's showing their they're like, Oh, look at how many horrible things I have to do and I'm so stressed and yeah, they're just showing like the idealized version of their lives. But
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I get that as well. The people are like, you must be a hyper organized human being. I'm like, if I was a hyper organized human being, there would be no bullet journal. Like, I created it mm-hmm. because I needed it. It's like, take what makes sense, mm-hmm. try it out, and then make it your own.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a good productivity motto to live by in general. Like, take what makes sense and discard what doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I don't think with necessarily maybe the bullet journal method or time tracking or any sort of other methods that really, really work for one person, maybe only elements work for, for different people.
2: Absolutely. I mean, in some ways you can... S- The bullet journal is the result of countless failures. Like I shared the few things that work. That's Mm -hmm. why it is so lean. That is why it's so minimal because I tried so many things, you know. Okay, I fail and you walk away or you fail and like, okay, I learned these things. Like, ooh, maybe I should try these things. Like all of a sudden, like you engage your curiosity with your failure and then you have a way forward.
0: Yeah, I think there's a perfect way to end. There's a way forward. Thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks.
0: So from your conversation, are you going to
1: change anything about how you do your to-do lists?
0: You know, I think that I'm... I'm not even going to look. First of all, I'm not even going to look at all of the beautiful <laughs> bullet journal methods because I will... Yeah, that's I will, a good idea. Yeah, I will feel like I I want to make it pretty because I, you know, like pretty things and I like color coding. But no, I think... And you
1: want a gold star. And I, I want beautiful. a gold star. <laughs> I want to, Yeah, I want to
0: get an A++ in to-do list making. But, so I'm, I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do, I think, is I like the idea and I'm already doing this to a certain extent of the integrating personal and professional and You know all aspects of my life into one and looking at it, and then building that like reflection. And I think it's a good way to tell like if you're over-indexing in one area or like you know where the balance is in your life. So I I like that part. I think I'm going to take that part away.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean I already do kind of a mini reflection, but I think that assessing whether or not I'm spending too much time on one part of life and not the other is seems like be a really good tip because that's not something I really think about. It's like something. It's something I do think about subconsciously and throughout the day, but it's not something I deliberately sit down and be like, okay, I'm spending too much time on, you know, this part of my life and not enough on here. How can I rearrange my day so that it's a little more balanced? Like that seems like something that I probably would try and adopt going forward.
0: Yeah, I think the other good thing is, like, the looking at what you never get done. Like, is there, a to and he mentioned this too, like, is there something that every day you have to keep moving f- from your today list to tomorrow list because you're never getting it done? And then he said the really great thing, he's like, is it even worth the time it takes to write that thing down to do it? <laughs> you know, like, that's a good Oh my god, <sighs> it's so true. Like, it, if, if you keep moving to do blah 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 from this day to the next day and you're like, ugh, I'm never getting this done, like, it's not even worth writing it down anymore. Like that's a good way to like set your priorities too, I think. I liked that a lot. I'm gonna take that one away too.
1: Actually that's a good point because usually it's it's usually either really long term projects that I just haven't have time to do and until it's like two weeks before it's due and I'm like, oh crap, I actually have to work on it or it's like an errand. You know, something like filing your tax returns until it's like, oh, wait, it's a week before deadline. And then I don't even write it down. I just do it because. Yeah,
0: I mean, like some things like doing your taxes, you do have to do. But there's some (laughs) things that it's like, well, if you keep putting it off, like, I think that that's telling yourself, like, it's not important to you. Yeah. Yeah. But you do have to do your taxes. (laughs) And that's it for this week's episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. Do you keep a to-do list? Are there any hacks that you swear by? Are you a Instagram-worthy bullet journaler? Please send us pictures of your to-do list or your to-do list hacks using the hashtag FCMostProductive.
1: Join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about Kate's favorite topic digital detox, and living without a smartphone with Cal Newport. In the meantime, you can also find links to more articles on how to create a to-do list that works and the three quick tips we mentioned in the You Might Want to Write This Down segment in the show notes below.
0: And you can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Creative Conversation. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Shannon Burner, who has a to-do list for every minute of her life.